0: You know I'm a big fan of enjoying life while still being smart financially. That's why I love ButcherBox. I can get a variety of high-quality meat, seafood, chicken, and pork at an amazing value, all with exclusive member deals delivered to my door with free shipping always. One thing I just never wanted to cut out of my spending plan is eating good food. And with ButcherBox, I don't have to, and neither do you. Where else can you get free protein for a whole year? Yes, you heard that right. One of my favorite go-to dinners is a salmon bowl. I'm not even a huge salmon lover, but ButcherBox's wild-caught salmon is oh so good. I make a nice little marinade, sauté some veggies, cook the salmon, and throw in some rice, And it is an amazing dinner. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash E-T-M. Go to com slash E-T-M and use code E-T-M for 20% off.
1: I mean, we don't think anything about carving out space in our budget for travel and things like that. But it might seem a little silly or goofy to do it for sports stuff. But the truth is, it's not. It's just something that we spend money on and that we're passionate about. So you should treat it as an expense to be managed the way other things are.
0: Welcome to Everyone's Talking Money podcast. I'm your host, Shauna Gain. There's no judgment, no dumb questions, just smart conversations about you and your money. So come on in and grab a seat. Everyone is welcome here. Everyone knows that putting money aside in savings is really important. But then what? Should you keep your savings locked in a CD for a higher rate or keep them liquid in a money market? Can your checking account help you save, too? Or is it about creating the right combination? We believe real banking is a conversation. Let's talk about the savings options that are right for you. Learn more at SandySpringBank.com. Member FDIC. All right, who are my sports fans out there? You know, there are a few things that we all love more than sports. I am a huge sports fan myself. I basically love every sport, except I never really got into baseball or hockey, but anything around sports is just so enjoyable. I think being in a crowd at a game or having friends over and rooting for your favorite team, it is simply the best feeling. And if you're a sports fan, you also know that sports can be downright budget-breaking. According to a LendingTree.com survey, sports fans will shell out an average of $664 this fall, and 33% of those may take on debt to do so. Our guest in this episode is Matt Schultz, Chief Credit Analyst for LendingTree, and he's here to break down how you can enjoy sports without going to debt, and if you're a parent, how to afford sports that your kid wants to play. He's even got this super cool credit card tip that you need to know if you're in debt or if you're a sports fan and you're just trying to figure out how to afford all of this. As Matt says, there are few things we love more than sports. In good times and in bad times, we are willing to spend money on sports as an escape to bring us all together. There is nothing that unites us like the love of sports. So here's to love in sports, but doing so while balancing all your amazing money goals. Let's start talking. All right, Matt, I am so thrilled to have you join us back on the podcast today talking about one of my favorite things. I know one of your favorite things, sports. So thanks for being here.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: You know, fall is really like my favorite time of the year. We've got college football. I love that the weather's cooler where where I live. May not be where you are in Austin, but it's also like a really expensive time of the year for sports fans and parents of kids who play sports. So as we're recording this, we're in the middle of you know college football. We got NFL seasons, NBA, NH- right. NHL. College basketball is coming soon. We got the World Cup coming up. So it is really like prime time for us, as sports fans. But you and I met. We were having this conversations a few weeks ago about sports, and you told me the survey by LendingTree that really fascinated me, and I knew I, I needed to have you on to talk about this. So this survey says that forty one percent of Americans spend money on sports uh, this year more than they do any other time of the year, and that sports fans plan to shell out about $664 on average, and that many of sports fans, we, we end up taking on debt because we just love sports so much. So I thought just kind of kick it off, like, why do we spend so much money on sports, like even in the middle of recession and like everything that's going on right now?
1: Well, it's, it's because Americans love sports like they love very few things and (laughs) in good times, bad times, in between times, nothing tends to bring people together, um, like sports. And I mean, there's so many things that, that so many people disagree about and get so passionate about, but Chances are if you get folks together and um, of different parties, different viewpoints, different everything, and get them talking about their favorite football team, basketball team, whatever, chances are they'll have some stuff to talk about. So it's, it's, it's really something that unites people like, like few things do.
0: Yeah, it was interesting when you were uh, just sharing that. So I decided to become an NBA fan when I was pretty small I think like, you know 10 11 years old because my dad loved to watch uh, the NBA We big Lakers fans and we would go to a lot of Laker games together And we were at a couple of like really impactful. We were there the night of the riots And we were there the night before Magic Johnson announced that he you know was HIV positive positive. So we're there for, you know, some some big big things, but sure. I really like that, you know, I I was able to have that connector with my dad. And then I remember like just sitting in the stadium, if you've had the opportunity to go to a big sporting event, yeah, you feel like you're there with like a community of people. And I think especially in these times where we feel really divided, like having that connector with people is um, you know, it's it's something it's something great.
1: Yeah. And my, my family had season tickets for university of Texas football for 25, 30 years. And there is nothing quite like being in a building with 105,000 other people (laughs) all cheering and hoping for the same thing. And, and, and the, the really unfortunate thing is that Whether it's UT, whether it's the Lakers, whether it's practically any sport, it's it's becoming a rich person's thing in a lot of ways now because the average family of four can't even afford to go to – you know, game 75 of 162 in baseball because it's so expensive all the way down to parking and hot dogs and the whole thing. So I, I wasn't surprised to see how much people spend on sports because the truth is that you can really spend as much as you want um, because there's, there's so much possibility and things can be so expensive.
0: Do you know? Do we spend more here in the U.S. than maybe people do in other countries, or is this kind of like a worldwide phenomenon?
1: Well, there's no question; it's a worldwide phenomenon, and you can just look at uh, at the World Cup as the perfect example of that, where you'll have people traveling to Qatar in November um, to uh, to to see all the stuff that's going on. But there's I to, To answer your question, I don't know if Americans spend more on sports than than other people around the world do. But I would imagine that we would be probably fairly close to the top, although anybody who has ever seen the prices of tickets to an English Premier League soccer game, Right. or something like that or, or around the world knows that there's a whole lot of money spent elsewhere too.
0: Yeah, you know, kind of thinking about like those those big events, the World Cup coming up. And I know that, you know, any of these like big sporting events, there was just the World Series. And I think the average price was somewhere around 3000 bucks per ticket, yeah. which is just nutty to me. But, you know, as a sports fan, like I understand really wanting to be in that arena and really wanting to experience that. Uh, You know, you mentioned a a couple of expenses, but what are some of the other like big expenses that sports fans like that we actually spend money on and maybe we don't even care. We just spend it because we got to get in that building.
1: Yeah. I mean, the, the biggest, the biggest cost is is the cost of actual game tickets and it can be, like I said, really, really expensive, like hundreds of dollars um, for not even, you know, not even the Jack Nicholson Spike Lee, you know, courtside <laughs> seat kind of thing. I mean, just just to get in the building can cost you an awful lot of money, um, but also merchandise, you know, jerseys and 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 swag and that kind of stuff, um, but also things like Food and beer and, and tailgating supplies and travel to get to the games and parking. And and it just really goes on and on and on. And it all adds up to an awful lot of money that the average family on a budget, especially in a time of inflation, just can't afford.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I, I think we know the status somewhere around... You know, the average person doesn't have more than $600 in, in savings, somewhere around yeah. that, uh, for, for an emergency. And so, you know, when we're talking about the high price of tickets or not even the high price, but like, yeah, when you add in everything else, the parking and the, And the food and the beverages, and you know, you're you're adding at least another couple hundred dollars on top of what you already spent. Um, And then, depending on where you live, parking could be ridiculous. When I used to live in L.A., I mean, it was you know not uncommon to spend fifty bucks to to park. So, thinking about this idea that uh, that a lot of people are going in into debt for sports, you know, what are some of the what are some of the keys to avoid you know going into debt?
1: Well, really, the one of the the big keys is just something that's really basic. And that's putting uh, carving out space for it in your budget. Um, We all know that budgets include kind of basic stuff. um, But the truth is that you should carve out room in your budget for things that you spend money on and that you're passionate on because it allows you the flexibility to enjoy those things without um, necessarily having to go into debt. I mean, we don't think anything about carving out space in our budget for travel and things like that, but it might seem a little silly or goofy to do it for sports stuff, but the truth is it's not. It's just something that we spend money on and that we're passionate about, so you should treat it as an expense to be managed the way other things are. So that's, that's really the, that's really the biggest thing, um, that, that you should do.
0: Yeah. I'm a big fan of, of balance in life. You know, we got to have some fun. We can't just save and save and save. Uh, so, you know, as a sports fan myself and I, I love concerts, I love music, you know, that's definitely like a line item that we add in because those are things that, that we just really like to do and that kind of make life more enriching for us. So I'm also thinking like, okay, let's say that I, I just like I have to go wherever, maybe it's a World Cup, like I've got to go. And I know that I'm going to get into some debt, like I know this is going to be a reality. You know, Matt, do you have any like tips or ideas for us? Like what happens if we do have to take on debt? Is there like any best practices for how we should think about kind of getting rid of that once, um, once we're back?
1: Yeah. I mean, the, the good news is that if it's, if it's credit card debt in particular, you have some options and one of them, if you have good credit is a 0% balance transfer credit card, because those can give you, those can allow you to go up to 21 months without accruing any interest on that balance. And that's a really, really big deal. Um, and, and you need good credit to get one of those cards. There are fees that go along with it. So it's not a completely free thing, but there's really not a better tool in someone's arsenal against credit card debt than a 0% balance transfer card. So
0: you said said good credit, like what what qualifies as good credit?
1: If you are in the ballpark of 700 uh, FICO score, you'll probably be okay. Um, Okay. Banks are tightening up a little bit now in terms of, who they'll lend to, but generally speaking, if you're if you're at or around 700 or maybe even 680, 670, um, you'll you'll have a decent chance. Um, but if you get too much below that, then it may get a little dicey.
0: The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited, and it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters, and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. a million bucks wearing this cozy workout friendly outfit I've worn it for like five days straight get warm weather ready with quince go to quince.com slash etm for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns that's q-u-i-n-c-e.com slash etm to get free shipping and 365 day returns quince.com slash etm plus they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top-rated personal finance app. And now listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com/etm. That's M O N A R C H M O N E Y.com/etm for your extended 30-day free trial. So we could go, you know, have some fun at our sporting event and hopefully if our credit score is in that range, you know, we could get one of these offers. And then obviously the strategy, right, would be that if we had 21 months, let's say, to pay this off, we had, you know, 0% interest, we would want to make sure that we, you know, allow, you know, basically divided that how much we owed by that 21 months and make sure that we you know, got that paid off. But let's say, you know, what happens if we don't end up paying that off after 21 months? Like, what what are we looking at
1: then? Well, what you'll look at then is that you'll pay whatever the standard interest rate is um, on that card on the remaining balance. Um, There's one of the real One of the real kind of long lasting myths in the credit card space is that balance transfer credit cards actually have uh, are are deferred interest cards rather than zero interest cards, meaning that if you don't pay off the full balance that you've transferred during that 0% window, that you're going to get hit with a bill for all of the interest that you would have accrued during that time. Um, and that's really not a good thing. That's something that you see at retailers where they're talking about special financing and that sort of thing, but that doesn't apply generally speaking with balance transfer credit cards. If you transfer that balance and you pay all of it, but 50 bucks off, um, in that 21 month period, the only amount of money you're going to pay interest on that balance is that remaining 50 bucks. And so that's, that's an important thing to understand. I mean, that's kind of the, the cockroach of, of credit card myths. It's just, you can't kill it. Um, And it's something that, That unfortunately may scare people away from doing, from using these cards because they may think that it's just not as good a deal as it actually is.
0: Mm. I didn't know that. That's really fascinating. Yeah. um, Let's kill that cockroach.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly.
0: So another thing I wanted to talk to you about is something that's just on my mind a lot when I'm watching sports is, you know, fantasy football and like online betting, which is now legal. And I know if you watch sports these days, like you see ads for this everywhere all the time. You know, we're just we're talking now kind of right after you know the crypto market just kind of blew up and that was everywhere. So that's really fascinating. But you know, even like a lot of sporting events are sponsored by these online betting sites. so you know I'm wondering like are you seeing more debt increase as we embrace this idea of like you know betting on sports
1: we We didn't specifically ask about whether um, gambling is is specifically increasing people's debt, but it, it's it's hard to imagine that it's not. Um, cause it, it's, I mean, it's as a sports fan, people have always bet on games, but it's generally just been kind of under the table and, you know, with your buddies and all that sort of stuff. But now that it's giant business, um, and you get point spreads on sports center and all that kind of thing, it, it kind of changes the game. So, um, so I I don't think there's any question that you have folks who are running up some debt as it relates to uh, to sports betting. Are yeah, you hearing? Just, are you hearing am, my dog bark? By the way, I am a
0: little bit yes. Okay, but that's that's okay. It's it's just you know <laughs> nice ambient noise.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs>
0: You know, the the interview's gotta feel like real life, right? Exactly.
1: exactly. <laughs> sometimes you
0: sometimes you got the dog barking in the backyard. <laughs>
1: um
0: yeah, I'm just I I'm just thinking like, you know, how, how crazy it is that um that we're we're just like constantly being encouraged to spend more money. Yeah. And you know, it, it it that's what always feels like so really fascinating to me about the financial world i mean i'm i'm a you know non-practicing certified financial planner and so it's really interesting for me to look at this but you know it's like this financial world where where they you know want want your money to kind of help you know manage your money and, and grow for retirement and all this but it also really feeds off of you know, things like this, like going in going into more debt is actually beneficial to to some companies. And I don't know, it's just really fascinating me to um, you know, kind of kind of dig down and, and see how all this this operates and how it's so easy for us to just go in debt. And then, you know, that awesome like tip you were sharing about the balance transfer credit cards, like most of us don't know that. So, you know, we just get more and more in debt. And then, you know, the panic and the fear starts to set in and we just don't even know what to do about it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And 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 it's interesting. It kind of gets a little bit at the idea of whether there is good debt. Um, I mean, no, nobody, nobody wants to take on but so much debt. Uh, but I, I, I tend to believe that there can be good debt, um, you know, and if if you get a return on it and it's and you feel like it is valuable and you don't dive too crazy into it, obviously. And I think one of the things that that could be argued that in moderation would be good debt would be something like. A World Series trip or a college football game with your parents or, you know, things things like that where you bust the budget a little bit, but it ends up turning into memories that you'll have for your entire life. Like in 2005, the season the Texas won the national championship in college football, my family... Uh, went to Columbus, Ohio for the game between Texas and Ohio State. And we have family up there and all that. And we were able to get tickets. And it was us and you know a hundred thousand Buckeye fans. And Texas ended up winning the game. And that was kind of a big step towards them winning the national championship that year. And um and and we talk about that game and that trip all the time 17 18 years later and those sorts of things even though they can be a little pricey and you may have to spend a little bit over a few months to you know to pay for that those kind of memories can can last you a lifetime so there's there's value in that if you do it in moderation And you can even do a real book club. Tune into the Daily Book Club Discord and discuss the readings with other book club listeners. However you want to listen, it's your choice. Subscribe to the Daily Book Club on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere else. New episodes every single day. So sit back, relax, and get lost in the Daily Book Club.
0: And I know another thing that you had uh, the privilege of doing is you weren't you weren't at the world series actually in the building right when the when the cubs won but you were actually in uh, the city in the vicinity which i think is another great way to think about uh you know if you can't get in the building for your favorite sporting event if you can even you know kind of get in the in the vicinity you're still there to experience everything going on and maybe that is you know, a little bit less expensive than actually being in the building, but you still get, you know, all of that fun.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I've been a Cubs fan since I was like 10 years old and, <laughs> and been when tortured, right. <laughs> ugh, I'm telling you like, like few fan bases have ever been. Um, but when, when my, uh, girlfriend now wife, and I got serious. I, I told her, I was like, just so you know, when the Cubs go to the world series, I'm going. And, um, and she was, I mean, they had been terrible for years and uh, she was like, okay, whatever, like that's going to happen. And, but she didn't laugh it off. She didn't go, no, that's crazy. You know how much that's going to cost. And so lo and behold, in 2016, they get to the world series and, tickets were just outrageous, like few sporting events prices have ever been um, to get into Wrigley field. And I knew that I wasn't going to be able to afford to go into the game, but we went up for game three. um, The first game at, uh, I think the first game at Wrigley, I may have it wrong um, uh, in 2016. And I used frequent flyer miles and hotel points to go up there and basically have it be kind of a freebie trip travel wise for, Mm -hmm. for my son and I, and we, we hung around Wrigleyville and kind of took it all in and, and just saw all the craziness of that whole moment, which was such a big thing nationally, but like, was was something that that I'll never forget. That uh, that was able that I was able to do in part because of credit card <laughs> rewards and travel rewards, but part because I just was like, okay, we I, I need to kind of put some money aside to be able to do this uh, to to make it possible.
0: Yeah, I love that you talk about credit card rewards too, because I talk about that so often on the show because it's so easy to forget that you actually have points just kind of sitting around and those are worth, you know, re- you could exchange those for real things like hotels and airfare and all of that goes to to save more money. So, you know, if you want to go to your favorite sporting event, you know, you can also be creative and, you know, maybe you save on that airfare or that hotel and that that goes a long way and helps you, you know, not get in so much debt.
1: Yeah, and... and- the truth is that credit card rewards and points and miles and that sort of thing are depreciating assets. So they, they just tend to lose value over time. So, um, so you are better off spending them sooner rather than later. I mean, if you are, if you're saving towards a particular goal, then you don't want to just throw them away on whatever. But if you just have a ton of miles and a ton of points and you're not sure what to do with them and they've just been sitting there for a long time, chances are they've gotten less valuable since you got them. So you may want to look into, you know, even if it's a staycation to, you know, to burn those hotel points or if it's something that you're thinking, well, I've been putting off travel because of the pandemic or whatever. Um you know, use those points because they're only going to get less valuable over time
0: all right so we we've talked about our love of sports <laughs> and how much <laughs> um you know kind of how much we all we all spend, but I know there's also you know another piece of this, another sort of juggernaut of sports spending, and this is sports for for kids. This is something that you know a lot about um I'm not a parent, but I can only imagine. So, you know, parents also spend a lot this fall on on kids sports, you know, whether they have the money or not. And a, a couple of other stats that really came out to me um from the survey was 38% of parents with kids younger than 18 say their child will play on a sports team. And 59% of parents whose children play on fall sports say the cost is is a big financial strain for their for their family. So, yeah. you know, thinking about like you know, maybe what sports kind of cost the most and like how how much on average should you expect to spend as a parent?
1: Yeah. I mean, th- we found that of those folks with kids on sports teams, about one in five say that their expenses are are going to top $1,000. Wow. And and to be perfectly honest, as your kid gets older and progresses into sports, it is very, very easy to spend $1,000 on your kid's sports Um, because these select and travel leagues – where you get into a higher level of competition and you start getting more serious and you start thinking about things like college scholarships and stuff like that, really prey on people's um, dreams and hopes for their kids um, and, and make an just obscene amount of money (laughs) on these, on these leagues, whether it's, um, whether it's football, baseball, basketball, soccer, lacrosse, field hockey on down the line in really basically any sport that your kid is good at or may be passionate about, you can find chances are some sort of league that is going on that will uh that will profess to take your kid to that next level to turn him into LeBron or Tom Brady or something like that. So you really do need to be careful and you really do need to understand what these costs are. And again, carve out room in your budget for these expenses. If that's something that's going to be part of your life.
0: Yeah. So I'm also thinking, you know, what if, um, all right, so so let's say let's just take a thousand bucks because that's the example. You know, what if you're listening and you're like, okay, I I don't have a thousand bucks, or maybe I have multiple kids, so I don't have you know three yeah. or four thousand bucks just kind of lying around. You know, this show is is about you know everyone's talking money. It's about having these conversations around money. So I would imagine this might open the door to have a conversation with your kid around money. You know, are there any ways to um? you know to talk to them and kind of explain you know about money and um how much this costs and you know kind of weighing out the the pros and cons is there any way to like open up that conversation with your kid
1: yeah i mean it's as, as parents you're always looking for teachable moments and and this can certainly be one i mean you don't want to you don't want to give them an economics lesson or you don't want to <laughs> talk to them like you're like they're your uh accounting client or something, but, um, but it is okay to talk to your kid and go, you know, mom and dad are, you know, these, these, these leagues are really expensive and, you know, mom and dad are on a, are on a tight budget and this league costs a thousand dollars to play in and it's really tough for us to be able to afford it. And we want to understand how much something like this matters to you. And we also wanted to talk to you or let you know that that if we do, if you do play, there we may need to make some sacrifices um, around some things, and then just kind of have the conversation from there. And sometimes, sometimes a kid will go. Oh, wow. I had no idea it cost that much. We, you know, I'd rather do something else or, or maybe the kid will be like, you know, what can I do to help? If it's, if you have a teenager yeah. or something like that, it will be like, you know, can I, can I, you know, mow some lawns or, you know, any of those sort of typical kid kind of stuff, but it's a way of helping your kid learn the value of money Um you know, as it relates to something that they're passionate about. And we, uh, my son plays soccer and uh, several years ago, we had to basically decide if he was going to jump into this, um, to this, uh, soccer select league. And when I went to the meeting, I remember being shocked at how much it cost. And I went back to my son and I was like, you know, these are really expensive. And if you want to do it, we, we probably can make it work, but here's some other reasons why you may not want to. And also just letting him know that when you have a commitment in a league like that, it may mean that you don't have time to do other things. And my son ended up deciding that he wanted to just, instead of playing for that select league, he wanted to just play in a more recreational league um, in soccer So it would allow him to also play basketball and baseball later on. And so it's, that's a long, long answer to to your question, but, um, but yeah, it's, it is important to have those conversations with your kids and to let them know at least a little bit about the implications of, of these costs.
0: Do you ever suggest if, you know, your kid wants to play in one of these leagues and let's say it's pretty expensive, you know, should they go and like talk to the coach or talk to the league, like see if there are any um, you know, like options available? I mean, have you ever heard of, of any tips or tricks like that to to maybe save a little bit of money or where there might be, I don't know, like a grant or I I, I don't know, but you know, something yeah. to kind of help you out.
1: It it depends on the, it depends on the league, but there are definitely opportunities in some places, in some levels for you to go to the league and say, you know, my son, my, my daughter just loves soccer and we really, she just really wants to play, but honestly, we can't afford it. Is, is there anything that we can do and you'll have some of these leagues that'll have grants and sponsorships and scholarships and that sort of thing that'll be able to help you out. There'll be some that may say, yeah, you can do it, but let's would you be able to give a little sweat equity where you can you coach or you referee or you work mm, right. at the concession stands? That sort of thing. Um, those sorts of things are easier asks in, you know, kind of recreational leagues in, in most towns around this country, if you're getting up to the higher level, um, you know, stuff where you're talking about college scholarships and professional dreams and all that, those are a little bigger business and you may not be as likely to get your way, but it's, it's certainly worth the ask.
0: I like that. I like that. You know, I mean, what's the worst case, right? You ask the question and, you know, the answer might be no, but at least you've asked the question. So, I yeah. love that advice. And I'm thinking about as, you know, we're we're ending the year here, getting ready to kind of go in 2023. I'm a big fan of creating a, a spending plan rather than a traditional budget. We were kind of talking about this this idea of building in uh, ahead of time the, the stuff that you like to do so you feel like you can do that stuff without all the stress and fear that that money brings. So as we wrap up Matt I'm just wondering if you had any thoughts on like how we can smartly plan to you know really enjoy our sports in 2023 but you know not end up being one of these statistics that are that are going to debt and really kind of feeling the pain of, of our joy of sports
1: yeah it it really is about kind of being planful and thoughtful and and making that budget or that spending plan and 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 kind of looking ahead to what those things cost and One thing that I think is really important um whether it's sports spending or whatever, is to go is to is when you are making that plan any assumptions that you have about what things are going to cost you may want to just bump those up <laughs> 5 10% something like that because it's pretty easy to assume that things are going to continue to get more expensive for a while and if you if you end up being if you end up kind of guessing wrong and things don't get more expensive then great But if they do, as we all expect they might, it'll just mean that you'll be a little more prepared for that scenario and it'll make things a little easier on you. I
0: think the biggest takeaway in this whole conversation with Matt is something that I share with you a lot, and that's the idea of balance. Budgets are boring and they're stressful. We can all agree on that, but that's because you've been taught that they tell you what you can't do. But I love Matt's advice of turning your budget into something that tells you what you can do. So you can still love your sports and spend money on your favorite teams, but you can do so smartly and you can avoid going into debt and all of that stress that comes with that. You can read more about this survey and get all of Matt's awesome money advice at LendingTree.com where you can learn everything from how to acquire credit, how to use it wisely, and everything in between. You can find Matt at Twitter uh, at Matt Schultz that's S-H-U-L-Z, and on TikTok at matt.schultz. As always, if you enjoyed this episode, share it with a friend, someone who you know loves sports as well. Help them figure out how to, you know, balance it all, right? Without going into debt. As always, you can head to the show notes for all the links to our episode guests, as well as the amazing sponsors who make this show possible. I'll see you back here, my friends, in a few days for a brand new episode.